This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. We're still waiting, edition, as, uh, you know, we sit here right now wondering who the Yankees are going to play in the American League Championship Series, which starts on Saturday night. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our well-traveled editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. Hello. How you doing, Al? Great. And we have, of course, our executive editor, Nathan Mekaborski. Hello, everybody. So, <laughs> I'm laughing because between, you know, the Yankees quick sweep and the Jewish holidays, you know, we postponed everything as long as we could to try to figure out, you know, what we should actually be talking about in this episode. And as it turns out, we are here two hours from when this episode is going to go live and we have no more information than we had 72 hours ago, <laughs> but... So I, I think the only thing we can really do right now is talk about a pretty awesome division series that I still am a little surprised by. Yeah, it's been uh, a, a lot has transpired since the uh, the last episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. You know, we were uh, the last ones to begin postseason play uh, and the first ones to wrap up our, our first round. So um, we've kind of been sitting back and waiting while... The three other uh, division series go go the distance and just brutal. These teams brutalized each other <laughs> over the course of the last week while the Yankees watched baseball. I, I can only imagine what's going to happen uh, in this Rays Astros game five. Uh, I'm sure it'll be an exciting an exciting game for sure. But yeah, I mean, look, the Yankees uh, all season long dealt with you know. Injury after injury, one after another, and fortunately, you know, the best thing you could have hoped for was that we were feeling pretty healthy uh, come October, and they looked pretty healthy in the first round. Um, actually had the uh, opportunity to run out the same lineup all three games, I believe, so uh, it just it kind of feels weird seeing, <laughs> seeing that happen. It's so funny talking about the full-strength Yankees that we saw in the division series, because like it, it, it needs to be said, the Yankees did not have Dylan Batanzas, mm-hmm. um, no Aaron Yankees, Hicks. The Yankees mm-hmm. did not have their starting center fielder Aaron Hicks. Mm-hmm. You know, these are massive pieces of any team that you know we're just brushing aside because it's so rare to see the Yankees at like eighty percent health mm-hmm. that we just assume that at this point that's a hundred percent health. I agree with you. I, I mean, my takeaway from you know these three games and in particular game three in Minnesota was. 
yeah, they're not at complete health, but they're pretty healthy. And what it what it seemed like was, you know, just the recipe that, you know, Brian Cashman and his team and Aaron Boone and the coaching staff had kind of, you know, wanted to um cook with, let's say, you know, the whole year and maybe for two years, uh, really they were able to actually do it and do it at, at a perfect level um, in this series. You know, there's no secret that they're not trying to keep their starting pitchers in the game, you know, any longer than they have to. They get through three, four, five innings, you know, you know, in Severino's case, four innings, and they go to this bullpen that's really second to none. And if they're winning, they're you know, recipe kind of dictates that they're going to be able to hold the lead. And if they're not winning at that point, they're going to give their, you know, incredibly high powered offense a chance to come back because they're going to, you know, hold the opponent down. And, you know, obviously in, in game three, um, you know, I thought Aaron Boone managed it perfectly. I thought he managed it, um, in a way that he knew he wanted to get the heck out of that series and move on and, and he did exactly what he needed to do. And what I find so interesting about that, and, and I got to be really clear when I say this, I don't think there's been a bigger cheerleader for Aaron Boone this year than, than me. This is not a knock to Aaron Boone, what I'm about to say. I think the story of the division series is that Aaron Boone didn't have to manage. I truly feel like if you look at the way that series played out, at every step along the way, what he had planned to do before the game. If you think about like, you know, an NFL team's scripted first 25 plays or whatever, I don't think Boone ever had to move away from that. You know, there were things that were happening in the moment that I know talking to you, Nate, you know, talking to the other guys on our team and our, and our staff, you know, you're, you're scratching your head a little bit, you know, man, why is Adovino only pitching to one batter? Why is Keenly right here coming out, not coming back? And, you listen to Boone afterward, and it seemed very clear. A lot of this is a credit, obviously, to good planning, but also the fact that you know the, the pitchers were pitching well and the batters were hitting. But you know, when you look at these things, the, the, these slightly interesting moves, you know, Boone was very clear about the fact that he had a plan for exactly what was going to happen afterward. So you know, the example that's going to stick to me is in Game One, um, Britain in the seventh inning, and I'm looking at everyone around me and kind of joking, obviously joking, like. Does Aaron Boone know it's the seventh inning and, and not the eighth inning? Because it didn't make sense. But he's talking afterward and he was just saying, no, the plan was to get a combination of Britton and Chapman to get the last nine outs, not six outs. And obviously the Yankees score runs, so they're able to go to Hap. But then you look in game three and he did it again. And Britton and Chapman were there to get the last nine outs. And I think if you go through each moment of the series – and you look at whatever script the Yankees front office and certainly the Yankees coaching staff had for how they wanted it to play out, I think it just played out that way. I don't think he had to manage on the fly. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think you know the players gave him the perfect opportunity for that. They did exactly what they were you know, supposed to do in the best case scenario in every scenario, you know, I mean, even, even in game three, you know, Zach Britton slipped up a little bit, gives up, you know, a run, but really there was never danger of that game, um, slipping away. And I think just the, the value of having really like two closers basically at the end of the game is, is tremendous and it, and it's working. It allows you to go in that high leverage spot in the fifth inning and sixth inning in games one and three. It allows you to look at that moment and be able to be willing to deploy Tommy Canley and Adam Adovino there for shorter than they probably should be in the game. But still, 
You know, again, I don't think there is a usage pattern that happened in the division series that was not what the Yankees were hoping to see happen. Yeah, uh, I was a little surprised to see Jay Hat there in game one. Um, didn't know that he was going to be coming out of the bullpen, but he did. And, you know, every day here, you know, we come in the next day and we kind of go through the game notes and everything and uh, look for little nuggets to include. Uh, should we, you know, be fortunate enough to have a, another issue of Yankees magazine to produce here this season? And uh, one of the things I found interesting was that Hap's previous postseason relief appearance was in this very same stadium on that same mound in game six of the 2009 World Series when he was pitching for Philly. So it's one of those little nuggets I thought was pretty cool. And he did pretty well both times. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully he keeps it up here in this next round. I asked Didi this after um, game two. And obviously game two, you know, his grand slam is always going to be remembered here just as an amazing moment. Um, as it turns out, not the biggest grand slams so far in the 2019 <laughs> postseason. <laughs> but, you know, one thing that struck me, really, the Yankees got on a plane to Minnesota with everything working. And that, you know, that's not even the ideal situation. That's the impossible situation. You know, these fans here were kind of booing Giancarlo Stanton, despite the fact that he like had just these killer at bats where he was he drew like three walks in game one, I think, or something like that. You know, look, is it you know everything that you expect when he's up at the plate? No, but like I mean, he was incredibly effective. There was no one on this team who you would say wasn't performing as the team got on the plane to go to Minnesota, and that's impossible. I mean, you. you the Twins are a very good team, and I don't want ever for this to get lost in how well the Yankees played them. That the teams were a very good, that the Twins were a very good team. But I'll tell you one, one thing that I heard that was interesting that that really did stick with me, and I, I believe it was on the, um, the Ringers MLB podcast with uh, Mike Bauman and Zach Cram. The Twins, if you look at what they did this year, they were kind of like a Yankees cover band. Um, and so you can't knock any of the stats they put up. You can't knock any of the things they did. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, even if they had a better year, you know, you look at the Yankees players against the Twins players and you realize, like, you know, who the genuine article is and kind of, you know, who's playing off their script. So, sure, the Twins hit more home runs than the Yankees did this year and their bullpen was very good. But when it comes down to it, you know, and you're talking about Tyler Duffy and, these guys that the Twins are throwing out there who had incredibly good seasons, okay, but the Yankees have Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman. I agree, and I, I don't think it should get lost in you know in the shuffle. Um, you know, the Yankees didn't beat a team that squeaked into the playoffs here. You know, Nathan, you and I had that conversation. I think before the series, we were talking about you know just the way that Yankees had dominated the Twins. You know, in the postseason. Um, so many years, I think in, in the 17 seasons I've been here, you know, we've played the twins now six of those postseasons or started our postseason six times against the twins. And, you know, I think back on the teams of 03 and 04 and 09 and 2010, and, you know, they were decent teams that got into, you know, into the postseason in a, you know, via a, a little bit of a weaker division than the AL East, you know, maybe this team was for real, but again, the Yankees, Every single player performed. Everybody played well. And there really was no comparison, and especially when you look at the, the two bullpens. But we look back on this series, I, I, I really think it's, it's a mistake to kind of group this Twins team in with 
the ones that the Yankees beat up pretty handily in the past. They beat them up the same way as they had in the past, but it was a much, you know, much better team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had to face a Yankees lineup that was full of postseason experience as well. You know, one thing that kind of jumped out to me uh, with that lineup, uh, the Yankees lineup, is that every one of those guys has has been in the postseason before, knows what to expect, uh, whether it was with the Yankees or not. Um, you know, DJ LeMahieu had postseason experience in Colorado. Gio Urshela got a taste of the postseason in Cleveland. Even Cameron Mabin saw a little bit of time with Houston in 2017. So, uh, and even, you know, the young guys on the Yankees, they, they've been there each of the last couple of years. And surely that experience is a motivating factor, you know, the the guys uh, who were here in 2017, who, who, you know, lost down in Houston in the ALCS, like that still stings. And Glaber Torres talked about it, the sting of, of last year and, and the ALDS ending with him grounding out to, to end the series that, you know, that's that's stuck in his mind throughout the offseason. So, you know, these guys, it's they weren't just healthy and clicking. They were certainly motivated and I think uh, relying a bit on that experience. You know, Al, you were with them in Minnesota after the clinch. Again, we've had a lot of conversations about this and I don't think we need to relitigate it here. You know, my stance, which is pop champagne after every win, I don't care. What what sense do you get from these guys about the way that they felt after just dispatching a 100-win team in three games like that? Well, you know, for the record, I agree with you. I, I think it's... Um Silly to, you know, have, you know, to criticize a team that's celebrating something that's a great accomplishment, whether it's a division, whether it's a division series, a wild card win, when you think about what it takes to get there and then what it takes to get back there. You know, it's not like you pick up at, you know, the end of the season like you do in a video game and then just start over in the playoffs and have to win. What it takes to get back there as you're going through the worst case scenario of seasons, your mm-hmm. entire team's hurt. I mean, this if, if ever there was a season to just be like, man, it's really hard to get back there and you throw your hands up and say like, it wasn't our year. I, I, I still don't understand how, but go on. No. So I agree with you. And I, and I, so I, I like the celebration, especially with a young team like this, that, you know, I think it's good for them to um, relish in, in the fun of celebrating and popping champagne. What I will say is, you know, I've been, you know, in the clubhouse for quite a few <laughs> division series and, you know, ALCS and, and one World Series championship. And I've seen the different kind of celebrations. Um, not that they were ever subdued, you know, uh, years ago with, you know, Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada and those guys. But this is a younger group of, of players. And there was definitely, I would say, um, there was more energy in the celebration. There was more champagne. There was more, you know, yelling. There was more just, you know, I just think uh, joy. And and again, that's probably because they haven't won a World Series yet. It's probably because this is a huge step, even though they, you know, they've taken this step you know, similarly in, in 2017. But it's a it's a celebration that went on longer than I ever thought it could. I, I wasn't, you know, sitting there with a stopwatch, but you normally kind of see it start and end pretty quickly. Um, it was going on for quite a while and, and it was fun and it was, you know, it was respectful. It was cool. It was, you know, it was all that, but they really were, were proud of themselves. Um, and I think they, they realized 
what they have done and where they're going. And, um, you know, and that's fun to see because it's, it's, if you go through the whole, and I won't do that obviously, but if you go through the whole roster and the whole lineup in your head, you know, it's a, it's a really young and fun group of guys. And, you know, it was also neat to see somebody like a Brett Gardner in the middle of the celebration and involved in the celebration and how much the young guys wanted him to be part of the celebration. And anytime he tried to escape, uh, let's say to do an interview or, or something like that, um, you know, he was, you know, probably physically brought back into the, <laughs> into the champagne fray. Um, but I think they just appreciate, you know, the veteran presence of a guy like that. And, um, you know, and, and it was also fun to see in the celebration guys like Giancarlo Stanton, who, you know, obviously went through a lot this year injury wise, but, you know, is clearly a part of this team and a big part of this team. You, you alluded to it, John, with what he had done earlier in the series. Um, and him being as big a part of the celebration as, as anybody and, and the players, you know, wanting that. And, and, um, it was neat. It was a neat thing. So I think it's, uh, again, it's a little weird now because while we're, we have no idea what we're, who, who the Yankees are going to be playing against, but I think it, we have to look ahead a little bit right now. You know, the Yankees have been kind of sitting on this one since Tuesday or sorry, since Monday, um, and tonight we're gonna, we're finally going to find out who they are playing on Saturday night and whether it's going to be at Yankee Stadium or in Houston. You know, I I'm I, I'm going to spare you guys the need to predict tonight's winner. What I'm curious about is you know what no you, predict it. I want to know who's going to win. <laughs> what you think of the two matchups that the Yankees could be facing in the ALCS? Nate, why don't you start us off? Look, I think uh, it would be great to exact some revenge for 2017 you know i'm sure the guys who were here uh two years ago would would love the opportunity to try and uh flip the script but uh i mean you know watching the first four games of that other alds uh you know obviously two great teams um i loved the way tampa bay was able to kind of piece it together with the the opener and uh the different looks they give you coming out of the bullpen um I mean, either team's going to be tough. You know, Houston, it's kind of a whole different story with those two aces atop the rotation. You know, I think uh, if it is Tampa, there'll be a good good showing of Yankees fans for the, the road games down there at, at uh, the Trop. And uh, if it's Houston, you know, welcome that too. It'll be a fun series. I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, the Yankees team this year, you know, shouldn't, be afraid of anybody, you know, and in 2017, they were, um, you know, kind of a surprise and, and, you know, significant underdogs, uh, against, you know, uh, Cleveland and the ALDS. And then of course, against Houston and the ALCS. And, you know, it came down to one game that, um, prevented them from going to the world series. They've obviously built on that. And, uh, you know, I think they, they match up pretty well with both teams. I think they can beat both teams for sure. Now, you know, the same could be said for, you know, the Rays or, or Houston. If, if we were doing a Rays podcast or Astros podcast, I'd probably be saying the same thing, but I, but it's true both ways. Um, you know, the only thing I, you know, I, I guess you kind of point to now that, you know, you know, both teams are going to be really, really tough. And you know that Houston has two, you know, what looks like generational type pitchers um, at the front end of the rotation. You know, it's nice that, um, 
the series is going five games because no matter what, Cole cannot pitch against us, you know, at the start. And, you know, however many games he was going to pitch against us, it, it, it can't be as many or as many innings because um, he's got to go tonight. Um, so I hope he has to go, you know, a long way tonight and, and throw a lot of pitches. And, and, and the only other thing that we know that I think is a really big factor is that, you know, there's – uh, it'd be nice to play Tampa because we'd have home field advantage. We'd have four home games instead of three. And and how important is that? I don't know how important it is, but I do know there's a significant home field advantage in, in Yankee Stadium and in Houston, and that played itself out in 2017 where the Yankees won every game at home and the Astros won every game at home. So for that reason, you know, I guess if – you had to kind of, you know, pick your poison, so to speak. I, I'd like to see it be the team that we would have home field against. I feel like before I can even comment on either of these teams, you know, there were about three hours last night in which the national season was a disaster. And then in the course of like, you know, an inning and a half, the Dodger season season became such a disaster that, you know, they're almost undoubtedly, you think, going to fire their manager and it's going to change the narrative of that entire franchise almost Mm -hmm. you know i i I think that it's you just need to keep some perspective about what these series are and you know how quickly things can change and how little you can control in the course of a short series and i'm not suggesting that you know it doesn't matter who wins or anything like that i'm just saying you know the yankee season is what it is in a lot of ways already and it shouldn't just be defined if it goes seven and they're playing game seven in Houston and they lose that game, you know, that shouldn't necessarily change too much about how you feel about this season. Uh, I'll say, and I've been saying this a bunch of times today already, you know, the Astros are an incredibly good team. I would never, you know, on paper want to face the Astros, but they're compromised right now. The fifth game compromises them. You don't get, you know, Verland. There's no way they pitch Verlander on short rest again after what happened on Tuesday night. I mean, they, they, they just can't do it. He's the most effective guy in the universe on regular rest. Um, so I think you basically have locked in at this point that Verlander is game two if they advance, which and obviously Cole is game three. And that just changes everything. I mean, if, if, if it allows you, say, to pick off game one and then, you know, let's say – let's – Fine. Let's say maybe Verlander on regular rest dominates and wins game two. Well, you're still coming back from Houston 1-1. You, you obviously remember the 2017 ALCS in which the home team won every game. If you can if you can find a way to get a game in Houston, that changes things dramatically. The Yankees won two-thirds of their games at home this year. Yeah, and you know I'm just thinking about this like from a purely personal, like operational standpoint for us. Like this game tonight between Houston and Tampa has like s- such major implications for our schedules because <laughs> oh, if it's Tampa, we're going to be here all weekend. Like we were just talking about how early we need to get in on Saturday to get the programs in. And uh, if it's Houston, you know, we'll watch on TV from our couches over the weekend and not have to worry about a game here until what Tuesday. But, but it's a, it, this is a good moment to tell a funny story, which actually came up earlier this season. I've mentioned a lot of times in this podcast, I used to work at Major League Baseball. So Major League Baseball produces the LCS and the World Series programs. Yankees Magazine is done for the year at this point, unless there's a commemorative issue. And what has to happen is they have to wait for the result of the series in order to get the 
correct covers printed. So the nightmare scenario always in MLB is a five-game series or a seven-game series. As much as everyone else at Major League Baseball wants long series, the publications department is basically the only one being like, no. <laughs> so, of course, you know, both leagues going to five games has made the publication staff at MLB losing their mind. And let me tell you, I remember this well. But, you know, the story that I'll always stick with is – you know, the nightmare scenario, the game seven, what that meant is you literally had to be at the printer ready with two versions of the book ready to hit print. Um, I think that Yankees fans could probably remember a pretty dramatic um, game seven in 2003. You know, we talk about it a lot. It involves our manager. So this year when we were in Oakland with a team, um, they were they were going from Oakland to L.A., so, you know, a lot of the writers that were doing their advances on L.A., this is in September or in August, rather, and they asked, you know, Boone what his favorite, you know, best game he ever went to in L.A. was because, you know, he's a Southern California guy. And he mentioned that he was at, you know, the Kirk Gibson game. And someone said to him, you know, oh, man, what were you doing? Where, where, what do you remember about the, the home run? And he's like, I remember being back at, uh, you know, Brett's house or Brett's you know, dorm or something like that, you know, because we left early. And everyone's laughing. Oh, my God, how could you do that? And then I like, kind of like raised my hand and just like I had to leave game seven in 2003 early. <laughs> you know, uh, I know how you feel. And he looks at me, smiles and he says, it happens. <laughs> Because I had to go to the printer to be ready to hit print on the Red Sox World Series, the Red Sox Cubs World Series program that we had been so prepared for. It was going to be the most dramatic World Series ever, which obviously didn't happen. But I had to be ready for the Red Sox World Series program. And then I, so I was sitting in a conference room in Midtown Manhattan, having left Yankee Stadium so that I could go and be ready for that. I watched uh, the whole meltdown happen there. It, it's amazing. I mean, I, you know, um, I'm, I'm hoping. We are home for lots of reasons. One, because I'd like to be home for the weekends. <laughs> but I also, you know, I was talking to somebody this morning. You think about um, just the logistics that go with the team's travel and, you know, our, all the things our traveling secretary has to do and then undo. You know, they're supposed to be, you know, maybe in, in Houston tomorrow or maybe in Tampa on Monday. And there's quite a few things to do that, that goes along with both scenarios. And, you know, you can't you can't do one and, and wait for the other to happen. So it's, it's pretty interesting. So as I said, you know, we are done with Yankees magazine um, in terms of scheduled issues for the year, but we are still providing content um, all postseason long on our Twitter feed, certainly at Yanks magazine. You can also of course check out yankees.com slash magazine to read the stories that we have in our October issue, which are still online. And a lot of them have a real, you know, postseason angle to them. Um, so I hope, I hope you'll check all that stuff out. I think uh, I've not yet spoken to my fellow editors about this, but you know, I, I don't think two weeks is the right uh, duration to go during the postseason when so much happens. So I think we should plan on another episode next Thursday as well. So I'm, get, I'm getting nods right now, which I, <laughs> I'll good. take as agreement. And so you know, stick with the Yankees Magazine podcast. We'll get you another episode next week just to kind of update kind of on where we are and where things are going uh, in the ALCS. But in the meantime, like I said, yankees.com slash magazine at Yankees Magazine. We look forward to speaking with you. Thanks so much. And in wherever, whether, you know, you spend your weekend watching games in Houston or you spend your, your weekend coming out to Yankee Stadium, we hope you enjoy the baseball. We hope you get a lot more baseball this year. And we'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Hi, this is Adam Adovino. 
For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.